welcome to Mood Readers, a book review podcast where three friends conquer their TBR lists. Eventually. Hey, welcome to Mood Readers. We're back. Book club is in session. I'm Jane. I'm here with Nora and Emily, ready to talk about books. So the first thing that we want to talk about tonight is we're still in the month of love. So I want to know your new love with a new book. When you're going to pick out, you're going to the bookstore, you're going to the library, you have no thoughts in your head. Zero thoughts. Zero thoughts. Always. Defaults. Okay. <laughs> love it. You've done it. no research and you're <laughs> vibes only. What Easy. are your... <laughs> all right, this is my brain at all times. What are your swipe rights and your swipe lefts? Or for those of us who are not on the dating apps, what are your green flags and your red flags? And so I don't mind going first. When I go into a bookstore and I'm, I, okay, so green flags, I'm basically a crow. If the cover is shiny, like I'm going to be instantly attracted. Ooh. What's happening here? I'm a big like cover vibe person. <laughs> another green flag for me is like who the blurb on the front is by so like if it is a blurb from npr i'm just gonna put it straight done yeah straight in my bag without even reading the back of the book i did that <laughs> the last time i went book shopping i was like oh pretty cover and a blurb from npr you're mine i have no wow. idea what I'm talking about yeah <laughs> do, you, do you know now or like uh, no, it's in the other. I don't even know what the title of it is. Listen, I go into like a blind zone. I wake up at home with like four new books and I don't know what happens. That's between you and God. That's fine. That's right. It is. And will I read them? I, only if the library keeps giving me books to read. So, <laughs> some of my red flags, if there is a re actual real life human being on the cover, I'm not interested oh, yeah. in that. Take yeah. it away from me. That's really one of my main. I also tend to like if I if I pick up a book because of the cover and then the, I read the back and I don't immediately get like, oh, you used 45 made up words in a row. And now I don't even know what your blurb was about. Fantasy books. I'm looking at you on that one. <laughs> I tend Accurate. to like open to any random page in the middle of the book and just start reading to see about the flow because I'm a very full oh. writer flow yeah. and I know that I will instantly forget what it is I read so it's never any spoilers by the time I actually read the book so if that doesn't work if I open it up and I just don't like the vibe of the writing then that's another red flag I should probably do that because I've gotten burned several times on books where I'm like this is incomprehensible to me I should have checked yeah so. I, I just listened to a podcast where someone was like, they read like page nine, because a lot of people are like, I'll give it the first hundred pages. So they'll read like page 99 and see what's going on in 99. And if it's kind of like meh, then why invest the first hundred pages to see if you're going to finish a book or not? That's like me and sitcoms. I don't watch the pilot and sometimes I don't watch the first season because I'm a monster. Because <laughs> the pilot is like, no pilots are good. There are no good pilots. The pilot is like, why are we, what are we, who is this? And it's just, ugh. And the pilots, like, in the 90s were, like, darker and less resolution. Like, they weren't going to invest in really <laughs> good true. cameras yeah, until true. you got signed on. So, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, season one of Parks and Rec is a little rough. It's, it's but. painful, but it gets better. It gets there. 
But see, what where sitcoms catch you is like by the time it's over, and then I'm nostalgic for the beginning, and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter how bad it is. I want every moment. I'll back go again. back. Yeah, I want Absolutely. it all back. Absolutely. Like the first, the first season of The Office is like kind of dark, kind of weird, but like it also might possibly be my favorite season yeah. now yeah. since I've watched all the way through. All right, Nora, what about you? What are your green and red uh, flags? I am not so sure when it comes to my red flags that I understood the assignment as I'm like <laughs> reading through them now, but we'll, we'll deal with that when we get there. So my green flag. So if there's any kind of love triangle, I know a lot of people icks, like a lot of people hate love triangles, but for some reason I love them and I love wondering, Oh, who's she going to end up with? You know, I like Fun. this guy. I like this guy. Does she like that guy? And of course I love a, a why choose. <laughs> why choose when you nice. can have all of them. I'm really glad that you guys explained that to me because that's pretty. That's a pretty clever phrase mm-hmm. <laughs> to call it white juice. I thought it had something to do with like chromosomes, but no, it's why. <laughs> why not? My 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 white chromosomes <laughs> choose you. <laughs> Soulmate, yeah. DNA. <laughs> so enemies to lovers. So if, if there's like something within. So unlike Jane, I meticulously, when I go into a bookstore, I meticulously like read the back cover. You know, I need, I need to know about the book blurb. I hold two like in my hands. And so I have to choose between them. I don't just like throw a million books. I like usually leave the bookstore with maybe three books. (laughs) I, in a bookstore, I adopt the value of why choose. (laughs) (laughs) You really do. I love that. So I love if it says it's in a small town. I love books that have either toxic relationships or toxic friendships. Mm. And then that kind of brings me to dark academia. I love that. Oh, yeah. If it, if it has that, any kind of dystopian world, I'm mm-hmm. I'm here for it. The trope of he falls first. Love that. And then if I'm like flipping through the book and they're dual or multi point of views, that's like an instant buy for me. So my red flags really is more of like if you're reading the book and you come across it, it's kind of more of like an ick. So yeah, because maybe if you're opening to the middle to see if you want to buy it, you instantly see this ick and you're like, nope. Speaking of instant, instant love. Do not like it. Don't like that. Ick for me. Accidental pregnancy trope. Cannot stand it. Not not a fan of that. Mm-mm. Fade to black romances. Mm, yes. I don't like it. I'm, I'm not necessarily, I don't need like five smut scenes, but I need something. I can't stand an annoying or insecure female main character. Get out of here. Don't like it. Unless she's like, there's a huge, you know, arc. Like there's some kind of story arc where she is going to have know, some growth. Yeah, she's going to have some growth. But sometimes they, they just stay the way they are. I don't like it when authors put unnecessary trauma in books. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going to talk about it, and a lot of these things can be triggers for people. If you're going to talk about it, make it make sense. Make it like, make it matter. To the story. Yeah, to the story. Yeah. 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 Make it realistic. Like, if you're going to talk about somebody dealing with grief, make the grief realistic. If you're going to talk about, uh, I don't know, like, eating disorder, anything that can be traumatic, just 
make it make sense, make it real. I don't like just randomly throwing in X, Y, and Z just because, oh, let's give her a backstory. Here's this. And you don't really tie into that. I don't yeah. like that. That's bad exceed. writing. Yeah, exactly. That's all I got for you. Perfect. Those are good ones. That's awesome. So green flags, if you are a book about witches, I will probably buy you. Mm-hmm. I also am into the dystopian or the alternate reality or alternate history. If your cover is like, oh, I wish I had it with me. I'm reading Babel right now. And if your cover, uh, so I asked my daughter, uh, I was sitting around today and it's a Sunday. And I was like, hey, daughter, go get me one of my books. I have two over there. You choose. One is pink. And one is black. I was like, you, you choose which one I'm going to read today. So she goes over and she brings me Babel, which is black and has like this beautiful, like etched cover. And it's all like dark and swirly. And she's like, I brought you this one because it looks creepy. And I know you like creepy. (laughs) (laughs) You are correct. (laughs) So I love that. If you're, if your cover is like intricate and artistic and like, you kind of want to frame it because it's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Love it. Green flag, which is magic, alternate bullshit. Love it. (laughs) <laughs> also, apparently, monsters. Who knew? Oh, yeah. Uh, if you're a monster, then I'm going to at least give you a shot. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, so I recently read a book that clued me into a lot of my red flags that I didn't necessarily know that I had until I read this book. So I read Icebreaker. That's the one with the cute little uh, figure skater is going to college in California and then she has a meet cute with a really adorable hockey player and then like romance ensues. And I thought I would give contemporary romance a try. Turns out I'm not the target audience for that book. <laughs> so <laughs> like I discovered through the course of reading Icebreaker that one of my red flags is a couldn't I mean it doesn't have to be female, but like a main character who has literally no problems. This main <laughs> character uh, was rich, thin. 21, super talented, one of the most talented people in the world at her, you know, her thing. Had best friends. She has one minor problem that's kind of annoying, but it's not that big a deal. Like, just, just, it's really hard to relate to somebody like that. Like, Mm -hmm. she has no challenges. There's nothing that makes her humble or relatable or approachable or anything like that. It's just like, it's fabulous. They're like paper dolls. Yeah. It's like. Here's a paper doll, and she's going to fall in love with this adorable main character. Like, that's, well, that has nothing to do with me, because I am none of those things. (laughs) So, (laughs) I am not any of those things that she was. So, uh, you know, besides from the, aside from the obvious, like, I don't really like contemporary that much. I need some magic or something. A red flag is just, like, not enough relatable stuff. If you're too perfect, Mm -hmm. then I'm not... We clearly aren't the same kind of human. There's right. also nowhere to go. Like, there's, like where's, there's literally where's the plot? There's she went nowhere. Here. She went nowhere. I'm so sorry, Hannah Grace, author of Icebreaker. Your main character, like, she basically ends up at the end of the book. Everybody's telling her how right she is. She's always talking about therapy. She's one of those characters that's like, well, I've been to therapy. And I can tell you that you're doing XYZ wrong. And I know this <laughs> because I go to therapy. So I'm yeah. basically a therapist. And you're just like, oh, my God, you're 21. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> you are a child. Uh, and then my other red flag, this is so, I hate to say this, 
Because I used to love YA books, and there are still a few YA books that I feel very passionately. I love them. They're wonderful. But for the most part, a red flag, a hard pass for me is going to be most YA. You know, it's not even about smut anymore. I mean, like, obviously, smut is great. But it's more about just, like, I don't know. It's harder for me to relate. It's not that I think it's bad. It's just that I don't think I'm that target audience at this point in my life, which is not super fun. Doesn't make me sound really fun. but. Like, there we are. I don't know what to tell you. Maybe if they're running away from zombies, that's cool. Something like that. But if it's just like two teenagers discovering themselves, not for me. That is not most of the YA that I read in general. It's usually not two (laughs) teenagers discovering themselves. Like, I don't read regular like I, my YA is all like YA fantasy and science fiction. Yeah, yeah. So. And see the, the YA that I love are YA fantasy and sci-fi like Yeah. It's just you're it not, takes you're a not lot more. Up, yeah, you're not going to yeah. pick up a YA romance or no. probably a thriller. No, probably not even a thriller. Yeah, you really got to hook me with YA. Yeah. For me to give I've, it a shot. I've yeah. discovered I'm also out of the YA thriller just enjoying them. I haven't yeah. picked up one that I liked in a long time. And I'm a YA girl. I like oh, YA man. for the most part. I used to be. I think I burned myself out. But like, <laughs> I think I did. I probably did. But it's just it's just harder for me to relate. I don't know. I like grown-up problems. Listen, you've also just gone down a path in life. And <laughs> It, there's Are you no talking turning. about the about the monster dicks? Yeah, there's no turning back for you, and no one's and coming stalking. to rescue you. Nobody's and, coming to rescue me. And no. yeah, you're right. YA, there's not monster dicks in YA, and so this is not like a surprising revelation. Right. Oh god, you're so right. (laughs) No, guys, seriously, this is like this is one of the reasons why I like Monster Smut because the female main character is always somebody who has been through some shit. Yeah. Maybe maybe her grandma died. Maybe she's been in an abusive relationship. Maybe she was a hooker. Who knows? But he's gonna heal her with his peen. You know, (laughs) I find this really interesting that you you know you talk about how red flags for you is you know books that you can't relate to so it's just interesting that we're relating so hard to monster romance but i'm telling you it's not it's it's not the monster equipment it's the the female main character i mean that's certainly a factor not the relating part the part where you're like but but when you're looking at monster romances it's like she's a relatable female main character who has been through life has treated her rough and she needs a strong love interest character to take care of her and braid her hair and like eat her baked goods and like tell her how cute her cottage is decorated and then also do other stuff as group activities. This Mm -hmm. is so wild because if you try to get me to read a book where someone is braiding my hair, if I'm female main character, I am absolutely going to be like, I'm out. Like that is where (laughs) I can't relate. What are you doing touching me like that? You just have to know what's coming later. Like that's that. Uh, He starts braiding your hair and then you're like, okay. Okay. I don't want my hair braided either. Well, I, I mean, I don't either. I just, I read one where they did that and I was like, oh, wow. He's such a, like a fuzzy, lovable, oh, yeah. whatever. Yeah. I yeah. don't find it relatable, but I'm like, oh, that's really sweet for her. I'm glad she has that. I just, I think the relatable part is like, she's been through things that yeah. were hard and now she finds love. And yeah. there's always some kind of like cozy element. Like they're going to 
live in a tent together on an ice planet and make a family. You're like, oh, they've got their perfect cozy cottage for two, and that's perfect mm-hmm. for them. I like that. I don't know. And a fun I, thing about the monster I never... romance. <laughs> the, the fun thing about the monster romance is you find that, like, well, I'm not as experienced as you are. But what... <laughs> you make me sound terrible. What I have found lately is these people, like, find each other. Like, they find their match, like you would in any other romance. Yeah. But the monster aspect makes it so much more entertaining. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I don't... I didn't say I made sense. I'm just telling you what my flags are, man. Like... <laughs> I have a harder time relating to perfect people and I have a harder time relating to young adults. It's not even relating. It's just like, this is not interesting to me because it's, you're fine. Just like, give it a year. You'll be cool. It's okay. Like, I don't know. Keep going to therapy. You just don't got to talk about it. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, throw some magic in or some zombies and like, we can, we can figure it out. Those are my flags. They don't make sense. I don't make sense. I'm Emily Bronte. I'm from the Moors. (laughs) I don't make sense. Scholars have been trying to piece me together for years. Perfect. Well, with that being said, we're going to move on to our book reviews. You heard it here first or for the hundredth time. Emily Bronte does not make sense. (laughs) All right. So what we have been reading, I'm going to go first because I'm hosting and I get to make the rules. Boom. All right, buckle in, because what I'm reviewing tonight is Corinne by Rebecca Morrow. Mm -hmm. And as I have pre-warned my book club friends, this is not going to be a I recommend this book Uh, review. So here we go. Let's get into it. All right. And you know what? It's really on me. The reason. The the problem is me. I'm the drama. I do the problem. I am. Okay, so here's what happened is that Corinne hit book talk sometime in the summer, the fall, and everyone was talking about it because Rebecca Morrow is a pen name for a New York bestselling author. That's what it says in the back. Rebecca Morrow is a pen name for a New York Times bestselling author. It doesn't say who? No, and everyone immediately, for whatever reason, decided that it was Stephanie Meyer. And so, oh, people, okay. so people went all over book talk okay. and they were like, oh, it's Stephanie Meyer. And so then She's people, back. yeah. So then people started reading it and then it was like this big, like 50, 50 debate. Like some people were like, I know her writing. I've read Twilight the thousand times. Like this is <laughs> Stephanie Meyer. And then other people were like, it's not her. I think it's this other not as famous because I don't remember their name. And then there were several, and there's like a whole Corinne talk movement that happened. Mm. And part of the reason why people thought it was Stephanie Meyer is because at least the way I gathered from this book on TikTok, it was about a, a girl who leaves a fundamentalist church. And I guess Stephanie Meyer is Mormon. Here's the other thing. I like books and I don't care about authors. So I know Um, nothing about their backstory Unless they just, like, are very prolific, like Stephen King, and then I'm interested enough to be like, how the fuck do you put out this many books, and also, what drugs were you on in the 80s? (laughs) Look, Stephen King made a deal with Satan. Also, we have established that we do not care about authors unless you follow us and like us on TikTok and Instagram. Then we're your besties forever. We love you. We we have a good authors list going on. We've 
we've got some good ones in our pocket. What I mean is, um, I still don't know their life story because that's not what I'm there that's for. True. I, that's true. I'm not that nosy. But I'm more likely to look it up. Yeah. I'm more likely to look it up, though, if you are a friend of the podcast. Yes. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, let's be real life friends. Okay. So that was a long rambling thing, but that's how Book Talk presented this. There, This is a book about a girl who leaves a fundamentalist religion, written, a pen name by the author, because, you know, maybe it's based on their, like, actual life experiences, and they don't want that to get out. Understandable. The internet went fucking wild and thought it was Stephanie Meyer. And I was like, that's enough of a hook to get me to be interested and read it. Yeah. Yeah. So I did. Unfortunately... <laughs> all of my preconceived notions which was like oh good a book about a cult um this book is a contemporary romance no (laughs) and is it a cult romance it is okay let's let's sort of give like a little plot and then we'll dive into it this girl corinne she's our main character And when she is a child, she starts off being, like, a worldly person, and then her mom finds religion. They never name it. It sounds like Mormonism. They refer to elders and brothers and stuff like that. So I think think we're safe. But we're just going to say religion is very strict. Has several more kids. The father leaves, and so she moves into the basement of, like a sister in the church who's who got her into the church. And so then the sister has her family upstairs and then Corinne and her family are in the basement and they start doing like Saturday Bible study night. And Corinne is the same age as like the son upstairs. And he's like, basically he's going to be an elder in the church one day. They can all tell Um, he leads the family Bible study on Saturday night um, and he's basically engaged to this other girl in the church, and Corinne's insanely jealous of her because she's beautiful and perfect, and much like the ice skater ballerina thing mm. in Icebreakers. And anyways, so on after they finish their Bible study, the moms chat, and then they go to bed, and the younger brothers stay up playing um, Nintendo. They're playing Zelda. And <laughs> Corinne and Enoch, I think that's how you pronounce it. Enoch play board games and anyways then one thing leads to another eventually Enoch and Corinne have sex they're 18 they have sex Enoch then is overcome with shame and so he confesses to it basically to the brothers of their church and Corinne because she is a woman gets cast out of the church so her whole life path is changed at that point because she's no longer a member of the church. We stopped there. We fast forward 13 years, which is now 2005. And we're 13 years later. Corinne has just recently moved closer to her family in Kansas because her mother had a heart attack. So she's been estranged for these full 13 years that she's been gone. She ended up going to college, which is against, you know, like the religion because that's very worldly, exposes you. Patient, et cetera. Right. So she comes back. She's just starting to be let back into the family again. She's started to be allowed to like Sunday dinners. And at one of them, while she's trying to repair and take as much of life as she can with her family, Enoch walks in to the room. And it's like a force of lightning hits. And oh, no. Yeah. 
Is it good lightning it or like romance with him with the guy that sold her out to the church? Yes. Oh, oh it is. red flag. Pass. It is. So y'all, this was it. This was not the book for me. It was not. So <laughs> what? So that's what it ended up being. So then the majority of the book is exploring the romance of Enoch and Corinne. But Enoch has all of these hangups because Corinne is a worldly person. She is not of the church. He can't be with her because of that. He wants to be. He's never stopped wanting her. They're like faded mates if this was like a fantasy romance, but it's not. He's just into her because he lost his virginity with her and he thinks it's classic conservative upbringing. You think the first one is the one. It's not. And she's can't let him go. So I had no respect for her because she was like in the same boat where she was like, I can't get enough of him. And she just needed him more and more. (laughs) Enoch Miller. She repeats it over and over in her like head as we're writing. She's always like saying his name. And she just like, she wanted, she just wants more and more of him and she'll take whatever he can give. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of unpacking his religious trauma and her religious trauma as they're trying to make this thing that can't work, work in some sort of way. And then it's compounded in the fact that like, it's actually really well written, so it was very oh, no. confusing. There's like a lot of what you would consider smut scenes in this that were very mm. well written, but they were interspersed while they were happening with pauses to unpack our religious trauma as we're working oh my God. through our sexual acts. Hold on. So you're telling me right. that in the middle of smutting, they're going to talk about their conservative religious trauma. That is the worst thing I've ever heard. <laughs> it was what it was like we were getting to a point and then we stopped. And at one point we're naked, like making agreements. Oh, on God. like like he was like, I don't have a condom. And she was like, Well, we can use spermicide. And he was like oh, this is so he's bad. got his like fingers in her and then ah. he's like, What if you get pregnant? Would you have an abortion? And she's like, What? How dare you? like Oh jeez. You know, that there's some things. Through. Oh my god! All his fingers are inside her. Oh my Ew. god! But this is very vivid. It was weird because, like, if you took out all the the religious trauma that we're trying to work out, the smut scenes are really good, but those are in, so it's all really confusing. Yeah. And it, and I wasn't, I, it, this was not the book or the content for me. No. I, it, it was not. And so I was thinking about this because like, it's pretty well written. This is all my own fault for like being snagged on a hook. Yeah. <laughs> I got tricked by the headlines. You did. I, I checked it out from my library. I did not buy it. Oh, good. God. Okay. Yeah. Good. So I would not mind reading this if this was like a nonfiction book. I read a lot mm-hmm. of nonfiction books about people's experiences and extreme religions. Uh, and I like that sort of stuff. But this yeah. is a fictionalized account. And that somehow, uh, that's not what I like. I want my nonfiction to be nonfiction and my fiction to be, as I say, <laughs> every episode, I'm trying to escape reality. And on this, I was 
It was like shoved in my face and it somewhere. was shoved in somewhere. And it was also like you were saying, Emily, it was completely unrelatable because Corinne just like, I don't know. It's she just, she just wanted Enoch so much that she like, I would be angry forever. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like yeah, I, yeah. I have no forgiveness in my heart. No, and your religion casts me out and he intends to stay in this religion and she intends to never be a part of it. So and what are we doing? This is going to work out really well for them. Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, I see you two kids working out really well. This is great. And, it, but she wants him. And I'm Aww. like, no, no, him is worth what you went through, what you Mm-mm. sacrificed, how you don't have a family any longer, yeah. how you're trying to get them back. But now if she is seen with him, then that could compromise the effort she's made with her family. And mm-hmm. it is just, this was not the book for me. I would not recommend it unless you are someone who has been in that particular situation. I do actually see how you could find a lot of maybe healing and you could relate. I have not been, I couldn't relate. It was, it made me feel weird and not in like a, a growth type way, which I don't want to do anyways, just in a like, <laughs> did you talk about that before you get naked? Thank you. Type yes, way. Thank you. <laughs> so I, I've said before, Yeah, I've said before, I've got, you know, my Parsonage windswept Morris trauma, and I do. And I can say, therefore, with experience, that that's like a weird transference thing. It's kind of like people who, I don't know, I feel like I saw this on a TV show one time. Somebody, like, got off while they were watching baseball, so now baseball turns them on. It's like (laughs) that. Don't do that with church. That's weird. (laughs) Church should not turn you on, especially if you have all this trauma from getting kicked out and shamed and losing your family and like, like our, like your main character does. Like, don't combine those. That's gross. This is, so this is kind of why one, a red flag for me might is sometimes second chance romances like that trope, which is what, what this is. Because it has to be a very specific, like, does the guy deserve, does the guy or girl deserve to get back with, you know, would we be, like, slumming it or, you know. If you are not Captain Wentworth from Jane's great book, Persuasion, what are we doing? (laughs) Agreed. And I will will say, Enoch is a very sympathetic character. He is going through a lot of struggles, too. Corinne is... She just wasn't the strong feminist I wanted her to be, which I mm-hmm. guess no surprise. But I, I, I would never for I would never, I would never. Yeah. And so, all that being said, I assume that since this is a pen name, this probably is based on someone's real life. And if so, like I hope it worked out for them with their with their first love, who ratted them out immediately without telling her. She's like, you could have warned me. Before you went to the elders. Oh uh, my because god. Because her meeting with the elders was like next. So he's leaving. Oh and my she's god. Like being pulled in. And it's just, and then she was the one who punished because she's the girl. And so I also have issue with the patriarchal aspects of, well, basically most religions, but especially in this type of case where like Enoch, mm-hmm. who is the one that initiated all, all of it, she wanted it. So there's no question of consent, but he initiated all of it. But he doesn't he get was, kicked out. He doesn't yeah. get kicked out. He gets like a little slap on the wrist. 
And the fact that Enoch has not necessarily grown from this. Like, Mm. I could consider being with maybe my first love if he came back being like, yeah, all that we learned was bullshit. Like, let's move on and not have anything to do with that anymore. You know, maybe, maybe. I was wrong. I should never have done this to you. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, apologizing that happens, but it's not for, like, the things. Yeah. That should be a like, I don't know, like you're still a part. You still want to be a part of the system that Mm -hmm. that did that. Yeah, that. Yeah. Put Corinne on this life path where she was sort of lost and abandoned by her family because of this religious system. And you still want to be a part of that. But then you also like want her to. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's a no for me, dog. It's (laughs) I'm sorry. I would. This is, this is a choose situation. You must choose in that yeah. situation. It just, yeah, no thanks. Uh, so yeah, that's that's what I read, and I read it, and I completed it, and I don't need to read it again, and neither of you two need to read it. And I'm good. Listeners out there, you can read it if you want to figure out if it's Stephanie Meyer or not. Go for it. But uh, man, I thought I was reading a cult novel. <laughs> that's what I wanted. You yeah. were. It just was a weird one i i wanted the fun cult novel with the like escape and the right. yeah right yeah that sucks that's gross. Mm-hmm. so gross this Emily. is actually yeah this is perfect because my book is also a cult book but it was a good one i read the year of the witching by mm. alexis henderson look how pretty that cover is that is a good cover. I've been wanting to read that one, so convince me. Okay, I'm going to convince you, because um, I genuinely enjoyed this book. Yay. Yeah, and you guys should be really proud. There were no monsters, and there were no penises. Oh, wow. I cannot believe you read it. I am shook. <laughs> I read a lot of different books. It's not just the smut. Okay, all right, that's fine. Uh, okay, so this book is a witch book. It is also a fantasy book or kind of a dystopian fantasy world, you know, and it is also a cult book. So, yeah, what I love and not what I got. (laughs) Oh, you get everything you want out of this book. It is very nice. Okay, so it's a fantasy world where it, but it's very similar to uh, Puritan uh, New England, right? Like Salem witch stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's all fantasy. So in the lands of Bethel, there's the prophet and his word is law and our hero, Emmanuel Moore, her very existence is blasphemy. Like her, because her mother had premarital sex with an outsider of a different race. So he was, they have like their, their village kind of, that is like their little kingdom. And then they have people who live on the outskirts and they don't go to the same church and they like, they keep them in poverty and they're in a different race. So Emmanuel is biracial. She is the only person of color in her entire world that she knows. Oh, yeah. So her existence is like your mother sinned and it's like really fucked up. So, but Emmanuel lives with her grandparents and her uh, half-sisters because this is also a uh, polygamous religion. Her grandpa has two wives and her aunts are six years younger than her or whatever. Um, so it's really weird. But they're, you know, but they're a loving family. Emmanuel tries really hard to be good. She tries to follow holy protocol and lead a devout life. But, you know, everybody in her life is showing her and telling her how different she is because mm-hmm. her mother famously... When her mother was 16, was chosen by the prophet to be another one of the prophet's 
many wives. We're talking like multiple dozens of wives. He gets a new wife like every six months, give or take. This is like a uh, Warren Jeffs. Yes, I know, it is exactly. very Warren Jeffs. Yes, <laughs> this actually much. feels with a lot of parallels with my book. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So this is what's I was great. Like, this is a documentary that I watched. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've watched that one so many times. Okay. So in this book, Manuel, this, and you learn this very quickly. I'm not spoiling anything. Emmanuel knows that her mother was uh, 16 when the prophet chose her to be his bride, but she was in love with an outsider. That's what the, the outlanders, you know, a nice boy named Daniel and they fall in love. And then she like, then they have sex and then she finds out she's pregnant. And then the, uh, Prophet tries to marry her and she tries to kill him. She takes his holy dagger and tries to fucking kill him because she will not marry him. It doesn't Hell go yeah. well. Yeah, it's awesome though. Like, I love the spirit. Doesn't go well. She gets like, you know, captured or whatever. And then they drag her boyfriend Daniel to the holy pyre and burn his ass alive. It's terrible. Oh. It's mm. traumatic. So this is all a part of Emmanuel's like history. She knows this. The people that she goes to church with every day are the people that like threw her father on the funeral pyre and okay. drove her mother away. And then she had her. So her mother had Emmanuel and then died in childbirth. So it's all fucked up. Yeah. And then, Basically, weird shit starts happening. Emmanuel's best friend is, the, so there, Emmanuel's like 17. Emmanuel's best friend is chosen to be the prophet's newest wife. Mm. So that's kind of upsetting. So Emmanuel uh, kind of, she gets upset and she goes into the dark wood. So in this world, in this fantasy world, there are two religions. And it's kind of like, you know, God and Satan, except that God is the father of light. And then mm. there's the dark mother. Dark Ooh, mother, of course. I, I already yeah. want the dark mother. Sorry, yeah. team. So the dark mother is said to rule. She's kind of the deity, and then her army are four witches who were actual people once, but were so overcome with dark mother magic that they turned, you know, unholy creatures. And they're <gasps> scary witches, and they live in the dark wood. And we never go in the dark wood because they're real, and they will fuck you up. So Emmanuel feels called to the Darkwood when she finds out that her friend is going to have to marry this gross old prophet. And she goes in the Darkwood and she sees some stuff. And this is where it gets really cool because have you guys ever seen the movie The Witch? Uh, it came out like 20 No, but I really want to. As the premise of The Witch is that they took actual writing from like Salem witch trial people, like Puritans, stuff like that. And took it at its face value. So everything that the Puritans believed about magic, they assume that it's real. This is like that. This okay. is like everything that the prophet says about the dark mother witches and what they'll do to you. They're real. It's all out there. All this magic is possible. So Emmanuel kind of gets drawn into this course of events. She's trying to keep up two worlds. She's trying to keep up face with, you know, the prophet and everybody and be a good little Puritan. But then also she keeps going back to the dark wood and learning more and more about her mother and her mother's connection to the dark wood and like what really went down and why did her mother like resist like that? Where did she get that strength? At the same time, Emmanuel is getting closer and closer to the prophet's chosen heir and son, Ezra, who is super mm -hmm. nice and cute. But Ezra is, has been, um, you know, he's the chosen son. So he grew up in luxury and privilege and he has access to a full library and he has access to books. And one of the most poignant moments in this book is where Emmanuel goes to like a market or whatever and she sees a bookseller and she like 
she loves to read. So she kind of like picks up one of the books. She has to make sure that nobody is watching her and like, oh my God, if somebody saw me reading this book, I could be expelled. I could be, you know, whatever. And it's just so like, they're so restricted and it's so Mm -hmm. sad. But Ezra, because of his privilege, can read whatever the fuck he wants. So he understands that the way the world is, is bad. So coming together, they start to like, kind of piece together the roots of their revolution or whatever. In the meantime, as Emmanuel is getting, you know, closer to Ezra, and she's learning more about her mother and her father's past, and she's getting more entranced by the dark wood and these dark mother witches, crazy plagues start to happen. Yeah. So like, I'll guess as an example, the first plague, all the water turns to blood. <gasps> if you think about that, and the, the author does such a great job describing like how that like, yeah, we've read that in the Bible or whatever, but like, what would that really be like? It would be stinky. Mm-hmm. Oh, can I, would- can I interject to say that I literally just read a line in a true crime book that was talking about Richard Chase, who killed a bunch of people in California and drank their blood. And it was talking about, they literally said it is scientifically proven that uh, human reaction to being forced to drink blood is to naturally to vomit. Like you have to like, force over your natural reaction to drink human blood. So that's relevant to the, that's also what it would be like. Like they would have to force over their gag reflex to drink it. Like cattle are dying. Everything is withering. Children are suffering. Nobody has any water. It smells. There are mosquitoes everywhere. Everywhere. It's just really bad. And Emmanuel convinced that something she did by going to the dark wood has triggered this dark plague from the witches and she is determined to figure out how to stop it. So what's cool about Emmanuel is that she is very aware that what happened to her just growing up in this crazy society where women are always punished and treated poorly and restricted and married off at age 12 is wrong. And she's very aware that how her mother was treated and how her father was treated is fucked up and wrong. But she still wants to save the innocent people of the village from this terrible plague and maybe even more plagues. Who knows? Because like there, you know, there's like kids and stuff. And these are the people she grew up with. And Mm -hmm. it's her family. And even though her family is complicit in a lot of stuff and complicity is a big theme in this book. She it's it's hard. She's part of this. Like she is woven into this place. So Emmanuel has this really interesting character arc where she is coming to terms with realizing all this stuff is fucked up, but also like, what am I going to do to stop it? But also like, should I even stop it? Because I don't know if you motherfuckers deserve my help. And then learning more about her power and witchy stuff. And like, yeah, it's awesome. That sounds sounds really cool. Mm -hmm. So like some of my favorite, like interesting things that are in this book, I talked about complicity is a huge thing. Um, I mean, this cult is very, very Warren Jeffs. So everything you saw that documentary, Keep Sweet, mm-hmm. it's all in this book. So the complicity of like your grandmother dressing you in a wedding dress when you're 12 to go marry a 70-year-old man. That's complicity. Like that's fucked up. So that's a big theme in it. Also, a lot of the stuff, like I said, was puritanical, but the details are really good. So even though it's in a fantasy world, it still reads very like we're Salem Witch Trials era. Mm-hmm. And nothing felt cringy or weird. You know, we've talked about that before with historical novels. 
Racism is a huge part of this book. Like the mm-hmm. only people that look remotely like Emmanuel are outlanders and they're excluded from society and they're looked at with skepticism and they're, they're kept down and they're kept poor. And like sh- the only way she's going to learn more about herself and her past and her power is to go find her paternal grandmother who is an outlander and who looks like her. So that's a whole thing. There's also some really good LGBTQ plus characters and storylines that is a really important factor. I think when we're talking about cults that are based on, you know, forced child polygamous marriages. Um, So that's a big, like a plot point that I think is really good. And then there's also just the fucking most badass, awesome revenge scene with, you know, the dark witches. And it's amazing. And there's a lot of action. And there's some revenge, and uh, yeah, it's really good. I was not disappointed. I read Satisfaction satisfactorily with this book. Yay. I recommend it. Trigger warnings, obviously. I mean, I would look it up, but like, you know, there's a lot of bad patriarchy stuff. If the Warren Jeffs documentary was too much for you, don't read this. There's some allusion to like assault and sexual assault, stuff like that. But most of it is off screen. But it's a, a factor in learning about this cult. But Emmanuel is a really cool character. This is a really cool world. And if you are into cults and witches and badassery, I highly recommend The Year of the Witching by Alexis Henderson. Sweet. I'm into all of that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm returning it to the library tomorrow, so. Excellent. I I will be there to check it out. Quick break, uh, just to shout out the local library that I'm currently borrowing out of, um, because when I I got an alert that I had a uh, book on hold for me, and I was like, that's weird, I don't remember putting it on hold, but you know, I fever dream out when I'm checking out new books. (laughs) And I showed up, and one of the local librarians was like, hey, I heard you said that you like X, Y, and Z, and so I got these two books, and I put them on hold for you, and here you go. Like, I've I've reached the point where I don't even have to check out my own books. Like, someone else is (laughs) gathering the books for me, and they're like, here you go. Wow, that must be nice. Nobody's (laughs) doing that for me. I'm sure they would if you asked. I was gonna okay. say like there's a isn't there some kind of book box service or whatever they make you pay like twelve ninety nine a month for that kind of thing but at the library you know you get it for free if you ask yeah I just wanna I just wanna shout out like <laughs> y'all invest in your local libraries because that is service that's impressive amen amen all right, all right Nora is this my turn it okay. is on you it is on me. So. I almost said it's on you, boo, but then I got like Emily's <laughs> like, do people say that anymore? Stuck in my head. <laughs> that kind of made me cringe. I didn't like that. Oh, well, it's not the kind of relationship that we have. <laughs> um, so I decided that this would be a good time to do our first ever author spotlight. Nice. It'll make sense in a minute why we chose to do this at this time. All right, so I would like to spotlight Ashley Bennett. She is an indie romance author. And I got this little blurb from her about the author at the end of her books. So here's about Miss Ashley Bennett. She loves to write spicy, sweet monster romances, and we love to read them. Mm -hmm. Um, You can expect fluffy vibes and all the feels from her characters and stories. She enjoys brown sugar oat milk lattes, like girl of my own heart, like same. 
Me too. <laughs> she likes stockpiling candles. Oh, yes. Same. Same. <laughs> right? The perfection yeah. of fall weather. Obviously. Yeah. Thrifting mid-sin mod furniture. <gasps> Obsessed. And a good non-human romance. Uh. She also enjoys commissioning not safe for work art. Hmm. And I think she has she has like a Patreon account that you can sign up and you can um, you can see those. She has like some censored ones on her Instagram if you want to check that out. Her Instagram bio says your new best friend and I a thousand percent believe it. Like we're probably yeah. <laughs> so Emily is actually the one who discovered Ashley Bennett with her the Leviathan Fitness series. And she fell in love with their first book in the series, Muscles and Monsters. So Muscles Emily, and Monsters. Do you want to talk about Muscles and Monsters for a minute? Yeah. Okay. So I mentioned this briefly in our uh, Pussy Lips episode. <laughs> 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 Sorry. I didn't know I was going to say that. I was going to try to say V-Day and it came out Pussy Lips. I'm not over uh, it. I'm still not over it. <laughs> we're ne- we'll never be over it. Um <laughs> Things in Corinne, I was like, oh, well, they didn't. I was going to say they didn't say PL, but you just threw pussy lips on out there. And there we go. Like, just to make sure that we've covered it enough, <laughs> pussy lips will not be appearing in uh, Muscles and Monsters because Ashley Bennett is good at writing sex scenes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so <laughs> Muscles and Monsters has just like the most adorable, charming cover. It's about Atlas, a wolven, you know, monster. And uh, adorable Tegan, who is a plus-size baker. She owns the cutest little bakery in town. And she's just adorable and independent and charming and loving. And these, you can read this. I, this is the one that I read, like, in an afternoon. It's, it's a mini novel. But it's written so well that it flows. It, you don't feel shortchanged. You know what I mean? Like, it, mm-hmm. you get from meet cute to first date to first smut scene very quickly, but that's fine. You don't feel mm-hmm. like it's rushed because of how well it's written. And so they find each other. Atlas owns Viathan Fitness. He, like, he works out all the time. And today he meets Tegan, and then she joins his gym. And he is her trainer until things transpire in the gym when nobody's around and it's hot um (laughs) so yeah it's super cute it is a very cozy romance there is a whole lot of consent which is nice because he has the situation with his monster dick that (laughs) requires some talking about before you do it and like that's cool they talk about it because atlas is a really nice guy and he's very fuzzy. <laughs> so, like, like, literally fuzzy. He's so cute. And his tail wags. And his tail wags when he sees Tegan because she just makes him so happy. Wait, I love that. It is so it's precious. Amazing. And so I read, so after Emily talked about how much she loved Muscles and Monsters, I read the next one in the series called Tentacles and Triathlons. And so Emily talked about how much she loved it. But also, after we posted some content about it, Ashley Bennett, being the sweetheart that she is, started chatting with us over Instagram. And when I realized how amazing she is to her followers, I was like, okay, I have to read this book. Even though monster romance is not typically my thing, I said, okay. Now you see. Now I see. (laughs) I don't know if other monster romances are my cup of tea, but Ashley Bennett's monster you. romances are totally Gateway my cup drug. Of tea. So <laughs> true. 
Tentacles and triathlons picks up after Muscles and Monsters. One of the male main characters is Reese, and he is actually Tegan's brother. And then the yeah. other oh. male main character, Wait, Reese. Yeah. It. Oh, okay. That they mentioned him in Muscles and Monsters, and even though he seems redeemable because he's her brother, uh, he has some preconceived notions about monsters. Exactly, and we get into detail about those preconceived notions and why he has those preconceived notions. So our other male main character is Cyrus, and he is one of Atlas the Wolven's best friends. And so in this story, Reese has to overcome his fear of monsters because he must train with Cyrus for his triathlon, and Cyrus is cracking so, like, obviously very good at swimming but same as muscles and monsters very cozy sweet romantic vibes both of these characters have to have to overcome personal obstacles to become better people not people better (laughs) creatures better creatures i like that beings beings (laughs) through their relationship and then there's there's no third act breakup thank god hate those yeah same with muscles and monsters and there's hot tentacle u- usage that I did not know I would be into, but apparently really? I'm into it. You heard and it here first, world. Nora Redacted is into tentacles. I am now into <laughs> tentacles. Now into tentacles. You know what? I've never done tentacles before. Should I try them? You should definitely try this one. Hmm. Anyway, so I finished that one just in time to pick up her most recent book, which is called the Dalwick Demon, and it has yes! nothing to do. It has nothing to do with um, the Leviathan Fitness series. This is just different. I hope I would love it Stand if she alone. wrote more. Yeah, th- I would love it if she wrote more within this world because it was just amazing. Anyway, this book dropped Friday, and this is the main um, review that I wanted to do. So this is the Dalwick Demon by Ashley Bennett. It's a novella or short story. I mean, it's like, I think it's less than 100 pages or like right at 100 pages. So this is the Goodreads description because I think it is epic and I need to read it. It starts out with this this quote. There is no God here, Iris. He could never bring you this sort of pleasure. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I mean, I that's, that. I, I read that and I was like, done. Put it on my TBR. <laughs> um, Downloaded. So, The rest of it is, in her short life, Iris has known nothing but heartache. When she's thrown into the mouth of Dalwick Cave as penance for her supposed crimes, she expects to find herself face-to-face with death. Instead, she meets the demon of Dalwick Cave. After getting to know the being behind the myth, Iris finds herself tumbling headfirst into carnal love. Can he show her that love can be kind? Will Iris finally learn that love and lust go hand in hand? Who knows? Who knows? So I a thousand percent recommend going into this book blind, but I also recommend you reading it. So if you would like to go into this book blind, skip forward or like stop here because I'm about to gush over some stuff. I'm about to gush over this demon. And I am thankful that I knew nothing about him before going in. We're about Um, to talk about the equipment. Yes, we're going to talk about the equipment and just some of the other stuff about why I fell in love with this demon. Okay, so here we go. Selvin is his name. He is kind, thoughtful, caring. He has two dicks. And he is casual a, note. Right. He <laughs> is a consent 
king. And that is a theme in Ashley Bennett's books after is like everything. Like it's just so consensual. And so like, is this okay? Are you all right? That, but also checking in. Yeah. Yeah. But also like, it's okay that you like this. Yes. You, what do you want? And that's fine. I support your kink. Let's do this. Yes. Yes. Um, My two dicks. Both of them. (laughs) <laughs> she is taken care of in this. So he takes care of her, Iris. She has not been taken care of in a long time. She was a sex worker. She's a thief. She basically, she says at least three times that she did what she had to do to survive in this place. So she's sent into his cave and he has basically made everything as like safe and comfortable as possible for people being sent into his cave. He then, once people are, because when people are getting sent to the cave, they're basically being um, sacrificed to the, the demon. And But our demon gets these people out of the cave. He takes care of them and gets them out and they can escape basically into a better world where there's magic. And magic was like, the devil or evil in this other world. Oh my gosh. I want to be sent into this cave. Right? You, you definitely want to be sent to this cave. (laughs) Jane, at one point he washes her hair because she's, she's so tired and like exhausted from this journey. And, and she's just like, you know, she's, she's used to being like abused and, all of a sudden, this guy come or this being comes okay. up behind behind her and just starts like gently washing her hair with this lavender soap. Lavender uh, soap. And and then after that, she's like sleeping, and he does her laundry. Oh yeah, he does. <laughs> oh my god, you're right. He does. He does well, her laundry. He's immaculate. He- he wanted to make sure that what she put on to go, you know, that she was clean. This is how you know he's not real. I know. This is how I know. you know that he was written by a woman. Exactly. <laughs> by a woman. Ashley Bennett is over here making oh, all man. husbands everywhere look bad. look bad. I was about to say, there is laundry on my bed. And I know that, like, <laughs> if we don't put it up, it's going to get tossed on something. Some piece of furniture. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yep. My okay. husband would never. Would never. Would never. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> so I loved almost everything about this book, but even like the little cons that I had, there's a pro with it. So we came very close to instant love in this, but like it's a novella. It's a novella. <laughs> we, didn't re- we didn't really We knew what have, we signed up for. Right. We knew what we signed up for. We didn't have a lot of time, but like she made it make sense. Yeah. She made like the, the instant connection was very clear. And then the growing love, it was believable. Two people who like needed exactly what the other one had. And so they fit together. And that mm-hmm, kind of made they sense. They do. They <laughs> they somehow make it fit. fit. Did you make it fit? Speaking of that, the other con I have <laughs> Sorry. is there's double penetration in this because he does have two dicks. And that can be a con for me. It just will take me out of it because I'm trying to figure out how this all works. If like, But she was into it and she was loving it, asking for it, etc. And... 
it was so entertaining and she kept adding to it and uh-huh. spicing, spicing it up at every single, like every other sex scene, something was different. And you just didn't expect the different nope. methods <laughs> until like the very end. So and you're I, like, oh, wow. Okay. This is, I guess this is happening now. Yes. Yeah, so I loved this book. I don't know if any other monster romance can top it. For me, personally, I just... You can always try. <laughs> maybe if it's an Ashley Bennett book. Listen, we'll I'm see. telling you, you like monsters. But I like these monsters. I oh, don't know. Good monster romance is similar. This is why Ashley Bennett is a great monster romance writer. They are kind, considerate, caring. They do things for you. And then they have weird dicks, and it's great. <laughs> <laughs> True. And it's just, it's so entertaining. I was trying to explain to my husband why I liked it. (laughs) And he just was really not understanding. And I said, I don't think I'll ever be a dark romance girl. There's a lot of things that I just can't get into with that. But it's so different with these monster romance books because they're just so sweet and charming and cozy. And Mm -hmm. also, like, it's, it's entertaining because, you know... Who the, knows? Who knows? And like the package and what we're dealing <laughs> who with. Who knows what he's going to have under there. Right. And so it's just, it was really fun. I wholeheartedly agree. It is super charming. It totally brightened up my afternoon because I read it mm-hmm. on Friday and I was like, well, that was lovely. I enjoyed was, that thoroughly. I finished it up today and I was just like, I'm so glad I read that. That was yes. really fun. That was fun. I had a great time. And I cannot wait for more of her books to come out. Like, just bring Same. them on. Yep, do it. We'll I'm, it. I'm literally looking them up because I was like, have y'all covered all of her stuff? And essentially, you yes. have. Oh, have. Oh, sweet. She has, yeah. uh, those are the ones that are out now. She has, I think, two more Leviathan Fitness books coming out. And then she's... She's got um, one that's under Monstrous Mates. And the oh. title of that is Warts and All. And it's got a great oh, yeah. cover. That's coming that out in October. Oh, nice. And then that's, she's a ma- got- that's a male, male one. And then there's the Regency monster <gasps> yes. one. That's, that's going to be with the collection, like the anthology. The yeah. title is great for that anthology. What's the, what's the title of that anthology, Nora? It's Monster's Ball. Oh, Monster's Ball. <laughs> I was about to say, I don't remember. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to put you on the spot. I was just trying to be dramatic. I just think that's hilarious. Uh, and yeah. I'm totally going to read it. Oh, my God. Regency Monsters. Yes. That, would be my, that would be my gateway because I love mm-hmm. Regency period books. That's how we're going to get you. We're going yeah. so to get you we're gonna the monsters. Because I have Jane. not read any monsters yet. But you should. Well, the first one in that anthology comes out in two days. It's not yep. by Ashley Bennett, but eventually we'll get to hers yep. in a couple of months. But I imagine all of them are going to be pretty short. Yeah. So, yeah. It's a good introduction. But all monster smut is short because, like, it's like a Hallmark movie. Like, you know exactly mm-hmm. what you're getting. There's no major, you know. Yeah. And that's there's a good no, thing. Thankfully, there's no third act breakup. We can't handle no. that. No. We have no time for that. Just No time. We know exactly what we're looking for. And he <laughs> usually has it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so good. That sounds amazing. I'm going to, I need to, I need to get into Ashley Bennett is what I'm hearing. Everybody should. We support you, Ashley Bennett. She follows us on Instagram. She responds back when we tag her and stuff. Just 
I mean, like, BFF. Just forever. Forever loyal. Forever loyal BFF to her. Always. I love you. All right. Hey, this this started low and ended high, and that is uh, all I can ask from life. <laughs> so now it is time for the mood wheel. The mood wheel. The mood wheel. And we are spinning for Miss Bronte. Miss mm. I'm a mystery and no one has figured me out Bronte. That's right. There's a movie about me that just came out. It's called Emily. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm so mysterious and fascinating. I hope it's a good one. She deserves a redo. I don't think she's going to like it. Uh-oh. Is it? Uh, it is memoir. Memoir? Yeah. That was last week. Yeah, that was mine last week. Yeah, I don't she, have She any. doesn't have any. Oh, well. Guess I'll have to spin again. What a yeah. shame. <laughs> I, I thought say- that was fake. I didn't think you guys actually expected me to fill that in. There's some that there's some that I don't have on our our list. Yeah, we can just spin again. Works for me. <laughs> Memoir. Okay, that's not okay. It is fantasy. <gasps> Yay! Fantasy. Oh, I'm so surprised. Oh, what are we? Oh gosh, <laughs> this is gonna be hard. Oh, you have a ton. I do. Oh my god, read Legendborn. Oh right. Oh, but yeah. But now it's, okay, you guys know how it is with your TBR where you've had a book for so long that you should have read a long time ago that now, like, you can't read it because it's, there's all this pressure. Is this I the book want, that, is this, this going to make me read it? It's really the, pretty. This is the book that I gave you, and so I'm trying not to pressure you to read it. <laughs> You're the worst friend ever. Oh my gosh, read Neverwhere by Neil Gaiman. That's oh, yeah. what you should read. I take you it know, back about Legendborn. Too much pressure. I get that actually because I've been feeling like that about Akatar. Like I'm like, oh, now everyone's into it, and so now I'm like, meh. Which thank God I like read it first. Yeah. Like now, now too many people like on book talk and oh, stuff. Yeah. Like that's all they do. All the memes and all the whatever, and they're having There's all the parties. Podcasts, yeah. And now I'm like, meh. Yeah. Too many people her, like it. Now I don't. I want her to read the Stolen Air. <gasps> oh yes, I do have that. Okay, but that oh god. Okay, this is this is my problem. I need you to pick for me. Just choose. There's oh, so many good ones. We're having a hard time agreeing. I'm currently reading Babel, if that helps. I think it's on there. It is on no, there. We're not gonna choose that. You're reading it right now. <laughs> yeah. We didn't get to choose it. <laughs> and you also read The Year of the Witchings. That I did. Out. Take that one out. Red Rising is a wonderful book. Yeah, um, this to be really good. I'm not going to tell you to read The Daughter of the Moon Goddess because I don't think you'll like it. What? Why? Same thought, but I really enjoyed that book. But I, I did too. I don't think it's your type of book. Why? Because there's no monster dicks or because like other there's real not. reasons? I uh, read other books. No, I just I, I, I have a degree. I don't I, think it. I don't think it's, it's okay. If there are other reasons. Okay. No, that's I think, that's there are other reasons. A, I think okay. it fits a little into your like YA sort of. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. All right. Yeah. That's fair. I don't uh, mind and- being known as a monster fucker, Emily Bronte, comma, monster fucker, <laughs> but like, I am capable of more. Okay, Jane Austen, comma, <laughs> pussy lips, Emily Bronte, comma, monster fucker, Nora Redacted, we're coming for you. Yeah, tentacles. Tentacles. Nora Redacted, tentacles. Oh, the real Nora would hate that. <laughs> she would be so mad. 
I feel like there's better. Perfect. I feel like there's something else. Is we better can do better. Coming for me. We're, we're, yeah. <laughs> we'll get there. But Daughter of the Moon Goddess does have the most beautiful cover. And then the second book of the duology has a beautiful cover. I saw that recently in person. It was very pretty. It's so pretty. Um, I'm full with the stolen air. Okay. Okay. But I, hey. you know, you need to, we got to talk about Neverwhere at some point. Okay. So Neverwhere is funny because I, uh, I moved like a year or so ago and all my books were packed. And then I went to a bookstore with my husband on a date one time and he was like, just buy something. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get something I've never read, but always intended to read. So I bought Neverwhere. And then I move into my new place and I unpack all my books and it turns out I have three copies of Neverwhere. <laughs> <laughs> but I really subconsciously really want to read it apparently, but I can't do it. So I don't know. It's by Neil I'll Gaiman. It's one of my favorites by him. Um, I'm a Neil Gaiman fan girl yeah. though, but, yeah. uh, but Neverwhere was one of my favorites that he did. And yeah. Cool. I will all probably right. read Stolen Air or Neverwhere. Who knows? But I have both on my bookshelf. Well, the Mood Wheel has officially decided on The Stolen Air yeah. by Holly Black. And then you get to tell us because what I actually I, read. You will. <laughs> we are held, we are bonded to fate with these <laughs> choices. Yes. Yeah. yes. I want to read The Stolen Air. I bought it. I'm excited. Like, I am, no, this I is your, love. This is your push to read it. And I'm hoping maybe yeah. if you read okay. it, then I'll read it. Yeah. yeah. That's what I was okay. going to say. Like, you can be the catalyst to us doing it. And then yeah. we can talk about the Folk of the Air series and it'll be perfect. Uh, Boom. I love it. I love it so much. I'm so grateful both of you made me read it. Like, both of you were like, it's such a good one. You should read it. And yeah, it's one of my favorites. Good work. Well, this has been a successful uh, meeting of the club. I'm <laughs> Jane Austen, Pussy Lips, Emily Bronte, <laughs> Monster Fucker, Nora Redacted, Something with Tentacles. tentacles. We will see you next time <laughs> at Book Club. I'm not okay. Jane, Emily, and Nora would like to thank Benji for the theme music. Follow at Mood Readers Podcast on Instagram and let us know if you've read any of the books we covered. We'll talk to you again at the next book club.